nonprofit is such a tough area. And that's why I know with MFAN, the biggest thing that um, we try to say is it's not an advocacy group because there are so many amazing veteran and military community advocacy groups out there that will fight on your behalf for, you know, no, absolutely advocate for that community. So um, MFAN takes a different approach where we're like, okay, how can we help advocacy groups better advocate? Shit crazy. Smoke to get my mind right. Chilling. Trying to get my gun right. Fight for spirit. Smoke just to chill. Waiting on. What's up, guys? Sergeant G here from the Stone Vet, man. Happy Friday to you guys, man. Hey, it was a long week. Today felt long, man. It's been a long week for me. I know that. I know for many of you, it probably was a long week. Maybe some of y'all were like, man, it's kind of short. I like it. It was kind of kind of quick and easy, you know? Whatever the case may be, man, I'm glad you guys are here with us this Friday, man. So like I said, the weather's always beautiful. I spent three years in Hawaii, and every Friday was always beautiful, man. <laughs> always on the ocean. Always had the barbecue going, and somebody's out there fishing, trying to catch some mahi, man. It's, it's been it's been good, man. The weather's nice right now, man. Like I said, I want you guys to go ahead and grab a seat, man. Crack you a cold one, roll you a fatty, whatever your poison is, man. I got the honor of bringing Miss Hannah on here, man. She another jarhead like myself, man. It's hard. I've been trying to get some jarheads on here, man. So crayon eaters in here so we can come and hang out and tell you, talk how crazy we are and kind of nonsense that goes on through our minds, man. I got Hannah here. She spent some time. She did 10 years in the honorary corps, man. She crazy, dude. <laughs> she did halfway through and said, I'm done. She did 10 years and said, I'm done, man. How you doing, Hannah? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely, man. I, I saw the things, the amazing things you're doing since you've gotten out. And I was like, I got to have somebody that's making a difference in our community, in, our, in the show, you know? That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing I try to I try to provide for everybody is that what's your purpose, man? Sergeant G mm -hmm. ain't telling you what to do anymore. Sergeant G ain't saying, hey, you got to be a PT at 05. Got to be back yeah. at work at 08. <laughs> Go to lunch at 1100. You better be back by 1200. Hey, we ain't going home to 1800 tonight. We got too much stuff we got to do. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you were in the court, that's what it was. Somebody was always telling you what to do. Hey, yeah. you get out after four years, after 40 years. It don't matter, man. You ain't got anybody else telling you what to do anymore, man. And so I got mm. Hannah here, man. She is an advisor. She don't like to be called an advisor, though. She's an advisor for MFAM, man. And she did some, she's doing some amazing things for our veteran community, man. It, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the, the awesome resources she's providing for our community after getting out, man. It's like I always stress you guys, you have to build your community around you and what you want to be. After you get out of serving, you served your country proudly. You know, you went in, you signed the dotted line. You said, I'll take a bullet for you. Don't know who you are, what walk of life you came from, but I'll take a bullet for you. Hey, we all did. We all signed that dotted line, you know. Hannah, though, Hannah's got a crazy little story. She's got one. She tried to, when she signed that dotted line, man. I read your little bio you sent me, man. Oh, my goodness. I Coming from you, the way you were raised, the way, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story about how you decided to join the Marine Corps, the best in the world, right? Tell us a little uh, bit about yourself, Hannah. Yeah, so I'm originally from Texas, I'm born and raised. I'm a first-generation Korean-American. My parents immigrated here. So um, I grew up in a very typical Asian household, I guess you could say. Like my parents 
their whole purpose in life was to build my sister. I have a younger sister as, uh, to go to college and be a successful lawyer or a doctor. It's very stereotypical what Asian parents expect of their children. And, um, you know, I did all the right things until I went to high school. I kind of went through a little rebellious stage and uh, was mad at the world, mad at my parents. Um, I was really just kind of stuck in that in the middle between Western culture and Korean parenting because I was born and raised in Texas. So I was real torn with my identity. And so I basically just rebelled and started talking to um, a Marine Corps recruiter because the recruiter's office was in the our local mall when we used to hang out at malls all the time. <laughs> right. And you can't do that no more. <laughs> um, no. And I, I think what drew me to the Marine Corps was just the recruiters in the Marine Corps office were just, they were so charismatic. I mean, they were good recruiters, I guess, you know, they were so charismatic and just cool people to be around and hang out with. They, you know, I used to go to their office all the time. And I casually mentioned it to my parents that I was thinking about joining the military and my dad, my mom and dad, they're like, absolutely not. Nope. Absolutely. (laughs) So this is like my junior year of high school. So I started kind of trying to ease them into it by dropping little nuggets here and there. And they started warming up to the idea, but, but it was, but you have to go to college. So it went from absolutely not to you have to go to college and become an officer. Oh. And to them, that was like the compromise. Like, well, <laughs> if she's going to join the military. She cannot be lowly enlisted. And so, um, you know, that was a route I thought about. And the more I thought about it, I wasn't ready for college. I don't, I wasn't mature enough for it. And I think that was mature of me at the time to know that I was not ready. And, um, on my 18th birthday, I went to my recruiter recruiter's office. I said, I'm 18. I'm ready to join. And he was like, seriously? I was like, yep. I was like, you don't need my parental consent. I'm 18 now. And so we started the paperwork. Um, I did what was called dual processing where you go on a Saturday and take your ASVAB and do your physical all in one day. Um, so got qualified there, took my ASVAB, took my physical. I came back to start working on the contract part of it. And because my parents are not natural born citizens, they needed their citizenship paperwork. For oh, security And so I was just like, okay. And so I, I could not tell my parents that I had, that I was enlisting in the Marine Corps. So I went home and asked my mom, I was like, Hey, I have a government project on immigration. <laughs> And, and it'd be really cool if I could on the naturalization certificates and show it to my classmates as part of a presentation. And my mom was like, oh, okay. And handed my mom both of their, their naturalization certificates to me. I took it to my recruiter's office that day. He made copies of it, put it in my contract. I took it back home and I didn't tell my parents until, so this was March. I, my parents didn't find out till May because I was going to boot camp in July so you was slick, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I got kicked out of my house for like two days, stayed with a friend when they found out they were not happy. Oh, my and gosh. 
you know, I think they got to a point where there was nothing they could do at that point, you know, no, and I mean, so, especially at 18 years old. I mean, you're, you yeah. are an adult at that time. It's like, you can make the yeah. choice that you want. I mean, but like they said, you're, since your parents ain't natural born citizens, because my parents aren't natural born citizens either that yeah. I had to go get to the city, but I joined at 17 and they're like, yeah, if you wanted to go, you can go. I mean, as a, I'm first generation <laughs> on my mom's side here as well, you know? So, you know, but, but for you, I mean, like you said, the, the, the Asian culture, it is, you're going to be an attorney or you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be something bigger, yeah. right? Not a so Marine. I, I don't want you to be a Marine. Yeah, I know. That was definitely, and my, my dad was enlisted in the Korean army. Um, and so, which I don't know a lot about his experiences in the Korean army, but I know as a parent, he was looking at his little girl and he's like, I don't want her to have that life. And he's just thinking, I did not come to this country and raise her and give her all these opportunities for her to go work blue collar go in the military. military. But she don't need to be a blue collar. She better than that. Yeah. So, I mean, but they had to accept it. And um, I remember the summer before, so I was leaving in July and um, I have family that lives in South Korea. And so my parents, um, we went to South Korea in June, which scared my recruiter because he's like, what if they don't bring her back? Yeah, went to visit family one last time and then I left for camp in July. And and I know you found me on TikTok. I, read a, I did a TikTok video on this, but I think um, my boot camp graduation, both my parents came out to Paris Island and... I think that's the first time I've ever seen my dad cry in my entire life. If you know, Asian people, Asian parents, they are not emotional people. They are very, you know, they can keep their emotions in check. And so um, I think that was kind of the validation that I needed for my parents, for me to feel comfortable moving on in my career. And at the time I was like, I'm only going to do four years and then I'll get some education benefits and I'll go to college. But, you know, that didn't that did not happen. <laughs> that, <laughs> that didn't happen, right? Here. Yeah, because no. you you did some time. You you spent some yeah. time in there. I mean, I think we all have the same point. We're going to do four and get out. And then mm-hmm. after you get in there and get your feet wet a little bit, you're like, oh, me, I wanted to retire. I wanted to retire. When I first started, when I first joined back in 01, I started my year off right. January 01, January 7, 2001, I, ju- I jumped in, landed on the yellow footprints there in San Diego. I think I wanted to do at 22 and retire. Yeah. I and just had life happens. Life yeah. smacks you in the face <laughs> and say, nope, I don't think that's what's going to happen for you. You're like, yeah. man, because I, I remember, like I said, when my, my story is when I, my first deployment, I, I was, I spent a year, I spent a year in Okinawa, first, first duty station, Okinawa, Japan. Probably, I'd never recommend that for any PFC going to the freaking, going to the fleet, going to Okinawa for the first Yeah, time. that's tough for a PFC. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a grand, I had a blast, you know, but I don't, that will ruin you for the rest of your career. You go to Okinawa for your first year, you know? I did yeah. that, and then they, they sent me. They said, "You want to go swing with the wing?" I said, "Why not? I go swing with the. I'm an engineer. I was like, I go swing with the wing. Maybe it'd be a little bit easier than the work I've been doing because I was with the Third MRB, Third Maintenance Readiness Battalion out there in, in Camp Foster, tearing apart these swings. I don't think they exist anymore, right? They don't. They got rid of them. I think they because you know they they're streamlining the Marine Corps. You know that we just got rid of tanks. Mm-hmm. Cause they're trying to make us a lighter force is what they're, cause at first I was like, how can they get rid of tanks? But my husband was like, no, they're trying to make us lighter. And he's like, we're, we're a mag tap supposed to be able to deploy and tanks is just a lot 
And I was like, I guess that makes sense. But I was like, those poor tankers, they tankers are very proud, proud people. So absolutely. yeah, I remember. No, absolutely. But you know, I did a year out there and then I, I came, I was like, y'all go swing with the wings. I went over to freaking new river, North Carolina. I was over I was there. there us, you know, I did my, um, so I was in the, I was an air winger. I was an aviation ordinance technician and we go through two schools, an A school and a C school. Um, it's with the Navy. And so A school is in Pensacola and my secondary school was at, no, it was in Cherry Point. When did I go to New River? No, I never went to New River. I deployed, we were attached with a unit from New River when I deployed my oh, first okay. deployment. That's that's my connection to New River. I was like, wait, I've never been to New River. I've been to Cherry Point. Yeah. Cherry Point, that's where the <laughs> fix is at. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just as bad as New River, probably. <laughs> no, it, I mean, New River was horrible. I spent four years out there. I deployed back in 03. So my oldest son was Okinawa born. Okinawa to New River? What's that? You went from Okinawa to New River? To New River. <laughs> from, New from Camp Boston to New River. I was like, fuck. I said, I don't know what I'm thinking. I should have went somewhere else. No. But I told myself, I never want to go to California. I said, if I go to California, bad things are going to happen. If I go, There's too much access to a lot of bad things that I get involved in. And I was like, I'll go to North Carolina. Let me go to North Carolina. I could, I could deal with North Carolina. There, there can't be that many bad things in North Carolina that wouldn't get me in trouble, you know. And so they sent me. Yeah. I went to New River. You know, I, did, I went there. And then I got there like in 2002. My son was born in two, uh, January January 19, 2003. I deployed two weeks later to Iraq for the first time. I was like, this oh my sucks, gosh. dude. I said, I went out there. Yeah. Man, I went out there. I said, this sucks, dude. I said, it's I don't want to this. You know, two weeks after my son was born, I was like, golly. I said, they know how to get you, you know? And so mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want it. You know, and then, after, you know, after I did that, I, I re-enlisted so I can get out of New River because I heard he spent like three years there. I was like, I got to get out of here. I got it. And you know how it is. You re-enlist, choice of duty station, right? They lie yeah. so fucking much to you. I was like, you fucking liars. <laughs> I re-enlisted and they said, hey, you're going back to Iraq for the second time. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then my chief came up to me after I got back from deployment. He said, you need to leave. I said, I re-enlisted so I could get out of here and you sent me back to Iraq, dude. He's like, we got to get you out of here. He's like, where are you trying to go? I said, I'm trying to go to Fort Worth, Texas. I want to go oh, to yeah. Fort Worth, Texas because I'm getting out. I'm like, screw this. I'm getting out. Two deployments, I'm good. I don't want to do this no more. You know, I said, I got my son. I have my second son now back in 05. I had him. I had him January of 05, and I deployed like July, August of 05 back yeah. to Iraq. And I was like, yeah, Lee, dude. And I was like, I'm done. I can't do this no more. I'm going to miss everything. I missed all his first everythings, you know. Of course, it happens when you're in the military. You're going to miss birthdays and holidays and stuff. It happens, you know. It sucks, but it happens. And I was like, I don't want to do this no more. So I was like, I'm trying to get to Fort Worth, Texas. Get me the JRB Fort Worth so I can get out. I'm going to just go do my last enlistment. I already got, you know, I've already been in an extra year. I've already been in five, six years now. Mm-hmm. I, my enlistment's almost up, and I'm still stuck at freaking New River, North Carolina. Yeah, And he said, ain't nothing open at JRB. He said, where do you want to go? I said, I told my wife, I said, where do you want to go, sweetheart? I can't go to Texas. They're not sending us to Texas. She's like, let's go to Hawaii. I was like, bullshit. You hear about Marines going to Hawaii, but you never go to Hawaii. Yeah. It's always grunts that go to Hawaii, you know? And sure as shit, okay. he called the monitor. The monitor's like, hey, Hawaii just opened up. You want to go? Hell yeah. I was like, send me to Hawaii. He's like, you got to extend your contract next year. I said, that's fine. What's another year? You know what I'm saying? If you're going to send me to Hawaii, I'll spend another year. I'm going over there with the, 
what are they uh clb clc cc i don't even know because it was cssg when i got there and then they changed the name like three or four times while i was there and i was like i don't even know what the hell unit i'm with anymore now i was like the marine corps but like you said they're making a more smoother more faster marine corps now they they, they, they've been changing so much that your husband your husband's still active duty so i know he's still i don't know how he's still playing the game man he had this july will be 20 years we're in and you know it's it's crazy to see um because he joined prop the same year you did in 2001 um i joined 2002 so us we've kind of seen the marine corps evolve over to almost two decades now and and it's not for the uh, better <laughs> my husband is one of those marines that and i would say i mean we share the same view as in the Marine Corps is always evolving and it's going to change. And it's always some old guy saying the new Marines are weak or they're this, this, and, that, and they're stupid. And my head, like we talk about this a lot, like over dinner, this is dinner time conversation with us. And he's like, today's Marines are not weaker or, you know, he's like, they're smarter. If anything, they might, but it's because they have learned to do things smarter, not harder. We're back in the day, we were doing things harder for no reason. And he's like, they also need to be led differently than we were led because they're a totally different generation. They're a generation raised on social media and all this stuff that we didn't have when we were kids. And so he's like, they, they're, they still have the same values. They're still Marines. They still have the same pride in the uniform and just being a Marine. And they still have those coordinates and core values that every Marine has, but you have to, they have to be led differently. These are not, it's so weird too. Cause my husband's a former drill instructor and he used to be the angry Marine. When he got off the drill field, he threw a desk once at work because someone pissed him off and he was chewing everyone's ass out. And he's, you know, he's older now. He's a father. And I think that kind of mellowed him a little bit. <laughs> but when you, when I see how he treats his young Marines now, like these 19, 20, 21 year olds, I mean, they're babies. They are. Yeah, absolutely. He takes, he takes a completely different approach on there's, I mean, he still yells when they act stupid, Of course. but you can't always just be yelling at him. Cause he was like, I learned very quickly that this generation the, the minute you just start raising your voice and nagging, they tune you out completely. There is no, you're not instilling the fear of God in them. Like, you know, for us, when the gunny starts yelling at us, it was like your butt puckers and your, you know, puts the fear of God in you. And these kids don't care. They're just like, whatever is some boomer yelling at me. That's what they think. That's what it is. Exactly yeah. what they think. It sucks, you know, because yeah. Like you well, see, you have kids that are Gen Z, us, right? Or Z. Or Z. Yeah, you know, so, it, go you ahead. Know. It, it's just it's insane. I mean, I, I got a 16 year old boy at home, and he, I mean, he's the same freaking way, you know. Like you said, they're all into technology, and they all have to be led differently, and they all have to be this, and you have to yeah. do that, you know. And I think that's how a lot of us are. A lot of us old freaking disgruntled vets that have been freaking, we yeah. did this for some time. You know how that's how the Vietnam era people look at us. The yeah. Vietnam vets look at us like they like you guys are the new age and you have <laughs> nothing, you know. And I see that. So on TikTok, 
I did this thing. It was called the angry veteran. And I made a video and I, when I was in college, um, which I went to college after I got out on the GI bill, of course, um, there was a, there was like this certain type of vet and I just labeled the angry veteran or the, the entitled veteran, like, look at me, I served, you need to thank me for my service. Is that a person? And you see them around campus and they, I don't know if they're trying to portray that they have PTSD or I don't, it was just so weird to me. And I learned that a lot of my professors, I was involved a little bit with student veterans um, association at, at my college. And a lot of the professors were having a hard time on how to connect with veterans in their classes. And they're like, I love it. A lot of them, they love having veterans in class because they're older, um, a little bit more mature, have some life experience, Right. but they were having a hard time connecting on a deeper level with their veteran students. And I was just like, don't be that guy, you know, don't be that guy and make an effort to get to know your professors. And these, these dumb kids that you that are your peers in class, they're 18, 19, 20 years old. Don't put them down. Like you can mentor them. You're in a really great place, you know, treat them like you did your Marines, you know, Um, you, you, you're in a great place to mentor them and give them advice um, if they want it. And I made a TikTok video about that and I had to turn the comments off because I got flooded with angry veterans. Oh no, no, no. No, you missed the whole purpose. You missed the whole purpose of this. Um, Absolutely. No, and it is true when you're talking about entitlements. A lot of us vets, we feel like we're entitled to shit. But see, I teamed up with Veteran Trash Talk. They've allowed me to be put on a Marine Corps Wednesday episode for them every Wednesday. It gets a little bit it gets a little bit right wing in there. I I I get very political, you know. I get, get to be you know, everyone. I feel like all of us have a little bit of angry veteran in us, you know, because mm. your experiences in the military and I, especially, I think our generation, the, the post nine 11 generation mm. um, who have lived through the high deployment tempos and just when everything was just so ramped up and, you know, you're, you're just now finally getting some reprieve from that life. So I think right. all of us have a little bit of angry veteran inside of us. Oh, absolutely. But, but some of it, I was just like, okay, you can't go around treating everyone like crap because you're, because <laughs> you're angry. I was like, you do have to take, you do have to learn how to interact with humans that are not in the military because you're going to have to, you know? And I think that is what tap and tamp class. If anything, they need to teach teach us how to be normal when we get yeah. out. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing we talked about. Like I said, I teamed up with Veteran Trash Talk and that they, they have an episode. I, they may be on TikTok. I'm not sure, but the entitled vet is like, who the hell? You're not entitled to shit. Like you're not entitled to anything. You're just like anybody else. Yeah, you served your country. Yeah, you deployed. But you're not entitled to anything. You are just the human. We're a volunteer force right now too. Is Absolutely. Like- I, the, I did mention that in my video, I was like, I know the last time someone was voluntold to join the military was Vietnam. And those guys deserve so much mad so respect much. and a welcome home because they never got a welcome home. I was like, we are in an all volunteer military right now. And you volunteered for that. And even my husband, he's been, he was injured in combat. Right. And that is the one thing he's like, he hates wearing if he has to wear a uniform with ribbons and badges or anything, 
it's not very uncomfortable for him because then people have because to, you did say he's a purple heart recipient as well correct yeah so people want to ask questions i know like his how? go-to Why? answer how? when people ask they're like where'd you get how did you get your purple heart or where did you get your purple heart he's like the exchange <laughs> he's like you can buy <laughs> one too <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like even you know when we were in college he was just like half of these guys that puff their chest up walking around campus, like thank me for my service. He's like, if you really talk to them or you look at their DD214, they didn't do anything. And I was like, you know, you just let them be. (laughs) But I do think that that is kind of ruining relationships with the civilian. There's a big civilian military divide. And you see all these civilian companies saying we we proudly hire veterans. But if you look at the numbers, it's really not as high as they claim to be. And it, some of it comes from, they get this angry guy who walks in and I'm like, you have to chill out a little bit, dude. Like, right. I mean, you're a stone vet. So maybe they, <laughs> they, <laughs> they come it. by and smoke a little bit before they go to work, right? <laughs> yeah. Just you know? chill out but, a little bit. But it's like you said, I mean, they have, you know how they t- send us to, what is it? SEPs or whatever, whenever you're getting out of yeah. the military. That they last keep changing the name weeks. of that too. They ch- that apparently they changed the name of it a hundred times or whatever, you know, and I've, I was actually working with my VSO cause he resigned from being a, re- a VSO and he's actually in the cannabis community and he's actually growing cannabis now to help, to help people with actual legit. State? He's in Maine. What state are you? I'm in Oklahoma. Oh, you- I'm in Oklahoma. Oh, is it legal? It's medicinally legal. Yes. Oh, it's- I'm in Arizona. It's like, completely legal here now completely yeah recreational and medicinal yeah and yeah, yeah and i'll just pass the recreational portion of it yeah oh i watched there's more states that have oh, cannabis yeah. in it than that don't you know i think yeah. i think we're up to 48 states that it's 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 legal recreationally or medicinally in 48 yeah. states and so it's which is great you know i'm just waiting for congress to go through and sign that little dotted line and legalizing it across the country because everybody has it now so why try to I, restrict it if we're, since we're on this topic, we have a friend that just retired um, he, in California. He's a two-time Purple Heart recipient. He has TBI, pretty severe form of TBI. And because it's legal in California for recreation, um, recreationally, as well as medicinally, his VA doctor in California recommended um, it for him to treat his TBI symptoms and his insomnia. Awesome. And his doctor basically and this is the VA. And he was like, if I worked in any other VA that where this isn't legal, he's like, I can't legally recommend it. But because it's legal in this state, he's like, I can recommend it, but not in an official capacity because the VA is part of federal. Mm. So he was like, I can't like write it in your records, but he's like, I can verbally tell you that I think it could help with your TBI and your insomnia. And so and absolutely, it can because the, I mean, the, a lot of VA doctors, like even my VA doctors are here. They'll they'll ask me, "Do you use?" I say, "Yeah, when I can, I absolutely can." But since I work federally for a federal job, I can't use it. You know, whatever the case may be, whatever. Okay. That was that was a whole different ordeal. I, I'm I'm upset about it, but I beat the system. <laughs> you know, they're pissed yeah. because I beat them because they tried to fire me. I said, yeah. "I have 20 years of federal service. You're gonna <laughs> fire me over the fact that I said I use THC to deal with the shit that you, the government, gave me." Yeah. And I beat them with their own, you know, with their own stuff. Since since he's out in California, he needs to get in contact with like Brian Buckley. Brian Buckley is a uh what is he freaking he he is with a raider. 
he is a Raider. Okay. He and he, he, know him. Brian Buckley, you might know Brian Buckley. He has, he owns Hellman Valley Grow Company. He started, he, he, you know, he was a Raider. He went, he, he's done some shit. Like he's done some crazy yeah. shit, you know, but he's actually doing a massive research project. He has doctors on board right now on the medicinal benefits of cannabis. That's yeah. what I always stress to people. I said, you guys see a, a, a plant and it's the government said it was illegal. So you think it needs to be illegal. I said, but if you actually yeah. understood the medicinal benefits of the plant and what it can actually provide for people who suffer from PTSD, TBI, insomnia, mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, aches and pains yeah. that you suffer from that the government. That is another thing too, is my husband has TBI and he can't even technically he can't even use CBD oil to alleviate those symptoms. And I mean, he's got 20 years and he's like, I can't even risk if it even have a, has a tiny bit of THC that can somehow make me pop on a piss test. And, that, and I'm like, really, really sucks because, um, he takes a lot of medication to deal with symptoms. They flare up and his migraines. And I was like, like my kids take CBD gummies. I'm like, our children take it. Like, seriously, right. no, absolutely. And you know, yeah. that's what's great. That's, that's why like, I'm glad. That's why I I'm glad I teamed up with Rafa 180. I wear it everywhere. It's on my cup. It's on my hat. Rafa 180 is strictly medicinal grade CBD. We have a lab here in Oklahoma City. It's the only FDA regulated lab in the Midwest. And we pride ourselves. Oh, wow. We pride ourselves on that's being 100% THC free. On all of our CBD products, we have one tincture yeah. that I does. I will say, I was like a, I was a naysayer up until probably about five years ago. I was like, I was probably in the group of people that I was like, no, it is a marijuana is a gateway drug, and probably up, up until about like five years ago, I would say five years ago, right before. Um, we've been in Arizona now for almost three years and we were in Texas before, and we lived in a really conservative town in Texas. Like the, the, it was like the Bible belt and it is, it is Satan's, that is Satan's drug, like, you know, and, um, but it wasn't until actually, um, I joined MFAN and met some advisory board members, uh, who, had some knowledge on it and just talking with people with knowledge on it and, um, and just reading the research and stuff on it. And I think it's becoming more widely accepted. So I oh, think that absolutely. Also and that's the whole goal. That's the whole goal. I created the stone vet. Yeah. I created the stone vet because I'm trying to break the stigma. The stigma was put yeah. out there and people are scared of it. Like you said, yeah. it's a gateway drug. I said it's a gateway to the refrigerator, dude. That's the only gateway it's going to take well, you. Know our friend Tom, our, our, I can say his name, Thomas. He just retired, and he was like, he's like, dude, he's like, I'm getting fat because, <laughs> because he's like, he's like, it's he's like it's really helping me with some of my um, like sleep and just helping me chill out a little bit. But he's like, he's like, but I'm always hungry. He's like, I'm getting fat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great i mean it, it honestly is a great it is a great it's a great it's just great all the can cannabinoids and everything that's in it like you said he's suffering from insomnia what's great is that the, the lab we're using just created a new thc free tincture called uh sapphire 
It actually has mm-hmm. CBN, which is one of the cannabinoids that helps people with, that suffer from insomnia. Oh, wow. Helps them sleep at night, you know? And so there is just so many. That, that's why that's why I'm so glad to team up with Rafa 180. Like I said, everything is 100% THC free. All our products come with a, with a QR code on it. And you can scan it and see everything that's in this product from how it was processed all the way to what every little thing that's inside of it. You know, because yeah. you do, we have active duty service members that are serving that can't do CBD because of the simple fact, hemp is legal. The 0.3% mm-hmm. in hemp is legal. It's federally legal. But if you pop on a piss test, you're going to fail your piss test because it has THC in it, which is yeah. still legal in the country, right? I used to use hemp um, tanning lotion back when tanning beds were popular, when uh-huh. I was like 18 years old, <laughs> it would just make you darker and yeah, I used to use, but, um, and I used to think that was so, <laughs> so rebellious. <laughs> hemp oil. He's like, like, I was 17. Okay. So. <laughs> no, absolutely. But that's what, I mean, that's what we strive to, because like you said, we have police officers, firefighters, amb- uh, freaking ambulance person, medics, freaking doctors. We have people who can't take THC. They cannot have any kind of THC in, in their diet inside the bloodstream. Right. And so that's why we so we, we strive and we pride ourselves. I actually spoke to what the CEO's wife to, to this afternoon. We went and picked up some product for the for the store, for our online store. And I was sitting down talking to her. She's like, no, she's like, yeah, she's like, that's what we strive. That's what we try to make sure that all of our products are 100% THC free. We do have one product. It's called Ruby, and it does carry the, the legal hemp limit of 0.3% because it does help. When you actually can blend CBD and THC together, when you can blend them together, you can find almost a euphoric feeling. You know, you can feel like a kid again. Your anxiety has gone. Your pain's gone. TBI, PTSD, everything is gone. You feel like a kid, yeah. like you can run a hundred miles and nothing will hurt. And it's, it's, it's almost like a euphoric feeling, but it's, it's hard to find that perfect balance between CBD and THC because you yeah. got to match everything up. You got to match the, the cannabinoids from the hemp, the cannabinoids from the THC flower, and then just ensuring that everything blends perfectly, that you have the right amount ratio of one-to-one ratio or whatever, you know, and making sure that you can blend it perfectly together to have that euphoric feeling. I yeah. found it once and I was in love. I was like this. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters. I feel like a kid again. Like I could run, I could run and jump and play basketball and just do everything and not have any pain at all. Yeah. But it, it, it's hard to find it. And that's the biggest thing is breaking the stigma. How do we break the stigma to show people, Hey, this is okay. It's, it's, it's a plant. It grows yeah. out of the ground. It's not yeah. made pharmaceuticals that can be made in a lab. You know, it, it, well, I think it's a lot like I've seen, a lot more widespread acceptance within the last couple of years with a lot of states legalizing it. And um, so I think we're kind of headed towards that direction and hopefully, um, and I feel like if the more accepted it is, the more research people can do and figure out what else it can help with. We are, there's already so much research out there on how it helps um, 
you know, with mental health issues, side effects from mental health, um, you know, TBI, PTSD, insomnia. I mean, you know, you know, all the, the list of things. And so, and who knows what else. And so I feel like the more, um, it can be widely accepted and legalized. We could do so much more as when it comes to research and get federally funded. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And actually Senate just passed it to where you can actually, people can actually start doing research on it. Well, Oh yeah. In the U S they just passed it. They just passed that law. And so, like I said, Brian Buckley out there with Hellman Valley, he's doing a huge research project. It it ain't cheap. A research project ain't cheap. You're talking dollars. It it costs millions of dollars to do a research project, you know? Yeah. But he, he, he does a carts. He does a, he has a live rosin cart coming out. Freaking live rosin itself is just an amazing product, the way it works and the way it's it's just an amazing product. But that's what he uses. It says a hundred percent of the profits he makes off of his cartridges that he's making goes back into the research project. That's cool. I like that's that. Aw- he's doing, yeah, he's doing some awesome things. And even with his nonprofit as well. I mean, he, 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 he's, he, he's, he's another jarhead, man. He's like, my brothers need the medicine. They need the medicine they can get, you know? And so that's why I'm hoping yeah. maybe something will pass. I know there's a governor out of Florida just trying to pass something for veterans to where they can get it federally oh, yeah. legal, at least for them. If they don't want to do it for the country, at least for the veterans, they can do it, you know? And that's the, that's yeah. the type of support we need is people to understand that the, 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 the illnesses, the, 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 sh- the crap we deal with, with the PTSD and the TBI and stuff like that. Like I said, I was talking, I was talking with the, with the CEO's wife today and her husband, her, her, her past husband was, he, he suffered real bad PTSD, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a, it sucks, dude. It, it sucks yeah. when it comes on, you know, especially for us, like you said, our era, our era from 01 to like 2012, I mean, we was in up-tempo where we were deploying. Fuck, we were deploying every six yeah. months, every year, you know? I just keep thinking it is not normal for the human body to have that much adrenaline pumping through us for that long. Um, and just the stress. And I'm not even, I'm not even just talking combat stress, just the stress of, okay, how much time am I going to get at home before they deploy me again. And if I deploy, am I going to get to go somewhere like Okinawa or they're sending me back to the dirt again, or, you know, and it's, it's like, you're at a constant state of anxiety. I feel like without even realizing it. And then once you get out, it's just like, you know, And I think about the day, my last day in the Marine Corps and the next day I slept all day. And my husband was at the time stationed in Boston and he called me. He's like, what'd you do on your first day civilian? And I was like, I slept. I was like, I didn't like, I didn't know I could sleep so peacefully for that long. And I was like, I don't know if it's just cause I have this weight lifted off my shoulders. Like I'm done with that part of my life. But um, it, it was just really, really weird, especially coming from someone well, obviously in the Marine Corps, you, you, you don't take naps because you're, you're working <laughs> but for someone who doesn't, didn't take naps and was used to getting up early in the morning and having a very regimented schedule. I think that was the, something shocking to me was just how relieved I felt. And then I'm sure, and it's the typical veteran story. When you get out that first few months, when you get out, you kind of lose your purpose and you're like what's my, I made a terrible mistake. I should have stayed in. Right. You're like, you kind of all of a sudden have no more purpose. And I know my husband, my poor husband dealt with 
me getting out because I was resentful that he was still in because I was like, <laughs> you still get to do. And I was like, and he's like, I'm so confused right now because you could not wait to get out. And now you're like resenting that. me because I'm in. And I was like, well, you get to go to work and what I don't. And what I try to tell people when they get before they get out or when veterans guys that are about to get out at, ask me for what kind of advice I'm like, just know that you have been in a profession that rewards you when you do something well, the littlest, whether it's a CERTCOM or a meritorious mass or a NAM, anytime you do something good, someone pats you on the back and tells you good job. And when you all of a sudden lose that, it's like, you don't get that validation anymore. And that's what I learned as a veteran is my time in the military. I got a lot of my validation from attaboys, you know, like, Hey, good job. Or you do, there's tangible steps to get promoted, like PFT rifle. There are things you can control to get yourself promoted. And my very first job was in corporate and there was no tangible steps on, I was just like, so how do I get, you know, how do y'all promote? And they're like, just based on your performance and how long you're with us. I'm like, I need tangible, you know, steps. (laughs) Like, what can I do? Like, are there milestones I can meet? And they didn't have any of that, you know, it's based on just performance reviews. And I think that was something that was hard for me to kind of grasp and get into. And at the same time, right when I got out was when my husband was starting to kind of deal with his PTSD. And so we were de- like, we were like a hot mess because I got out and I was going through like, you know, the getting out depression. Right. And then, and then he is finally coming to grips with his PTSD. So we're like fighting all the time. And I'm just like, I'm just like, is this for, is this real life right now? Like I was going to, I was so excited to get out. And I was like, I'm so ready to be done with this BS. And then I got out and I was like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have gotten out. Yeah, like, you know, we, we all suffer from that. We're all the same way. You know what I'm saying? Whenever it gets close to the end, we're like, man, I got like 60 days left. I'm out of here. I'm not. But it's like, when you get out, you're like, what the fuck am I going to do when I get out? I don't have nobody yeah. giving me an attaboy. Hey, thank, good job, man. You did an awesome job or anything. Like you said, I never heard it from that perspective, how you said that you do get a lot of attaboys whenever you do, whenever yeah. you do something, when you do something right, you know? Because I mean, you, even with time off. You know, yeah. they're like, Hey, if, if we work hard, we're getting off early on whatever, or Hey, if the CEO says if the unit can go a hundred days without a DUI, he's going to get granted free 72. I mean, and you don't think about that stuff when you're in and then you get out and you're like, Oh, well, I'm just here now. And that's, um, I think that would, that's something I tell a lot of guys getting out. I was like, just think of, I was like, the military is not an easy life or an easy job, but it is also one of the few jobs in the world today where, um, you get all federal holidays off and not just all federal holidays. You get like four days, three days. My first corporate job, when they said like over Thanksgiving, they're like, Oh, you only get Thanksgiving day off. And then you got to come back to work Friday. I was like, so I don't get a four day weekend. And they're like, (laughs) Thanksgiving is Thursday. And then you're coming back to work Friday. And I, I was just like, you know, I was like, what the heck, you know, but that no, was just something right. I was not used to. And yeah. cause my husband was active duty. He would get these long weekends off 
was like, well, I'm going to work. I don't get a 72 or 96 must be nice, you know, <laughs> but um, it's definitely an adjustment period, especially because it's a, such a lifestyle too. And you're just transitioning into something completely it's like a brand new world. And most of us joined right out of high school. So it's yeah. the only adulting we have ever done. And it's not normal, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> because I mean, a lot of us, like you said, you join when you're 18. I joined when I was 17. You know, these people are yeah. joining 17, 18. You get some of the crazy people like uh, Broken Jarhead. He joined at like 26. And I'm like, why the fuck you joined so late? Oh, you know? I, had a th- I had a 32-year-old Lance Corporal. Yeah. I did and too. I, I, he was like 32, 33. He was, he was I called him grandpa. And yeah, I, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Dude? I, mean, I felt bad making him work or stand yeah, right. duty. You're like, you're older like, than me, dude. I shouldn't be telling you what to do. I feel like I need to respect my elders. <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. No, I I absolutely understand. I mean, like you said though, like it's like that's why a lot of us, a lot of us start our own business because it's like I ain't working for somebody else, dude. I, I did it while yeah. I was in the military. I'm not, I'm going to start my own business. That's why you see there's a there, just in the community that I've been growing on my um, in my community, I have freaking tons of people who have started their own business, whatever it is, woodworking, freaking making lighters, making pens, t-shirts, you name it, dude. I've noticed that too. It's either they start their own business or they go into some sort of work working with the military again as a civilian, though. Absolutely. It's like, I don't want to work for someone that doesn't know where I came from. So I'm just going to work for myself or I'm going to work for someone who gets the community that I came from and that a lot in the veteran community. No, absolutely. And you know what I'm saying? It's it's just, there's a lot of veterans out there. Like I didn't know, like I said, I've had Travis on my show. He's the nonprofit architect. He told me, he's like, guess how many nonprofit veteran organizations there are. That's like I bet he's like I bet you you know only know about three of them right the 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 DAV oh the big warrior yeah. and they like, call it the big they call know, it the big five I think or something. yeah the big five or whatever he said there are twenty two thousand veteran nonprofits in the U S I said are you kidding me he said no and that was just that was a that was like six months ago and he said the number grows every day and which that's kind of a good thing but they have to get out there and make them their presence known because with there's so many resources out there that you can reach out to that are, that can help you. And I see a lot of veterans, they go, they think of the big, the big five is what I call them. I think, you know, like the yeah. Semper Fund. Fun. And while they're great organizations, they get thousands of requests for assistance and you're just a number out of thousands of people. Thousands, yeah. And there's always someone who is way worse off than you that is going to, they're probably going to help first. And I was like, there are so many other resources out there that you could probably reach out to. And no, absolutely. And you, you working with MFAN, why don't you tell us a little bit about what MFAN is and how they provide resources for these nonprofits that, you, that you're talking about? Yeah. So MFAN, um, like I explained to you, but it's, we're not an advocacy group because there are so many great advocacy groups for the military community. So what we do is we do uh, research on, on the military community. And we do that by surveys and it's literally, these surveys are distributed via social media. Social media is the biggest um, way we've gotten this out. And What's unique about the way we do our surveys, it's not just answering yes or no, or on a scale of one to five, we leave comment section and we're like, tell us 
about your experience. And people will pour their heart out when you give them a chance to tell their story. And then we have two PhDs, um, Dr. Kimball and Dr. Hurwitz, um, they're researchers. They take all these, all this data and they read every single comment that um, anyone who takes a survey writes their story. And they categorize those comments into a computer program and um, we take, and then we publish the survey results and we make it, it's public. And um, we've had senators use our survey to, to advocate in Congress lobbying for, um, for laws that help military families. Um, we've had other big nonprofits use our data to figure out a way to better serve their communities. Um, our latest, so, our latest two surveys, one of them was base housing is a huge problem, which if you've ever lived on base housing, it's, it's, it's the mold, horrible. the mold, people are getting sick, you yeah, know, people are getting yeah. sick living in them houses. Yeah. And so that was um, a big problem that was uncovered. And then our most recent survey was food insecurity is really big in the military community. And it's because when you have an E4 and below get married and then have two kids, that salary to support two kids. I mean, it's not a lot, you know, it, it doesn't stretch very far. And what we're, we found out through our survey was there were um, military spouses who were skipping meals so that their spout, their active duty military spouse and their children could eat because that's insane. They felt, and a big thing is programs like SNAP and EBT um, they factor in BAH as income. And so an E4 won't rate SNAP and EBT. Um, and so they're trying to figure out, get laws changed so that, because for WIC, women and infant children, um, they don't consider BAH income. They only use your base pay. Mm. But, you know, WIC expires after your kids age out, you know, yeah. after a certain age. And so, um, so that was something we uncovered and we realized a lot of them don't rate SNAP or, you know, food as government food assistance programs. And then a lot of it is pride too. Yeah. I think service members as a whole are very prideful people. And to ask, to openly admit to someone like, Hey, I can't feed my family, you know, that's, and it, and that's, it sucks because you're just like, these are the damn kids that were sent into war to fight for us, to allow us to be able to have us ribeye steak at night. So we can yeah. eat, so we can feed our families, right? Yeah, and it's so like what, it, it's a, it's upsetting. Up. It's very yeah. upsetting. So there's not much we do as far as we can advocate, but we have this research, and then we try to put it out there for people and get it in the eyes of people in higher positions. Um, and I, I feel like most nonprofits need to be pretty bipartisan and non-political, apolitical. And so with the, um, with the last administration, with the Trump administration, we worked closely with Karen Pence because she was um, doing a lot for military families. And then lot, this administration- mainstream media won't tell you about. <laughs> yeah. And then this administration, Jill Biden is all, has taken over what Karen Pence was working with, with us. As well, that's good as, to hear. That's good to hear that she didn't just throw it out the freaking window and say, now no, we're no, no, no. So, I mean- and that, that is another thing that I feel like nonprofits is real tricky because 
you just have to focus on your goal. And our end mission is, hey, we want to make sure we want to make our military communities stronger and better and make sure that our veterans and service members and their families are taken care of so that they can do the job when they're called upon to do it, you know, and um, and, you know, p- politics is so polarizing right now. And so it was so hard just um you can't please anybody. You post one thing, you got people on both sides, like, well, this administration, this administration. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. This yeah. has nothing to do with who the president is. We're trying to make sure military <laughs> members are being fed and making sure, you know, but um, but that's what I kind of love about MFAN is that they've been um they just actively work with whoever will listen. Whoever will listen to us that ha- that is in a position of influence, like, please listen to us. I don't care who you are. If as long as your heart is in the place to help military family families and help get our message and our information out there. So other organizations can be like, oh, like, Semper, like, let's say I'm just using this as an example, but let's say Semper Fi Fund is like where we have all these funds and what do we need to focus on? And be like, well, look at our research based on our research right now, food insecurity is a really big problem and they can use that. And they have it broken down by age group, rank, um, veteran status, even divorced beneficiaries. So if you're like a dependent that's been married like 20 years and you guys divorce, you know, they rate like your some of your retirement. Right. And they even have that broken down to that, like how many divorce beneficiaries are dealing with. And so, I mean, it's broken down pretty in, in detail and it's, a, it's a useful tool for a lot of organizations to um, use to better serve the, their, the military community that they want to help, you know? No, absolutely. And that's great to hear. So you, so you guys, so the MFAN itself provides research for all these nonprofits that are trying to make a difference in the, in yeah. the military veteran community. Yeah. And because not just nonprofits, anybody. Anybody, <laughs> right? Anybody, anybody. Who's like I said, we've had um, Congress men and women use our research to uh, lobby in Congress for laws, and um, just you know, we just. I feel like the military community as a whole, like because me and you were within this community, we see it all the time. We're around, surrounded by it, but we are in reality, a very, very small percentage of the big population in the United States. And we often get overlooked a lot. Everyone has a bleeding heart for a veteran, but that's really kind of where it stops. Yeah. You know, they put their little yellow ribbon on their car or buy a veteran a meal or offer a discount, but that's kind of where it stops. And we get, I feel like the military community does get overlooked a lot because in the grand scheme of things, we are a very, very small population. And so you know, I just, I love that I wanted to get into some sort of organization that is trying to amplify our voice a little bit. And instead of, so we don't get lost in the crowd or, you know, get shuffled in some paperwork. You're absolutely right about that. I mean, that we, we are a small percentage of the country, you know, we are very, we are very small, but we are mighty, you know, and that's why I always stress. That's why I always stress on my show. Hey, come over to the Stone Vet, man. I got a small community I have on Facebook. It's small. I mean, I got like 140, 150 some people in my group, but they all know each other. They all interact with each other. Hey, you need some help? Where are you at? What are you doing? You know, where yeah. are you going? You know, and there's great organizations out there doing great things for us, you know. 
But the biggest thing is I want to provide resources so that our brothers and sisters have somewhere to go. You yeah. want to start a social media platform? I got somebody. I know somebody that can help you. You want to start a nonprofit? I know somebody that can help you, dude. You want to yeah. start a t-shirt business? I know somebody that started one. Like he can help you. Like he can provide. I love you. that. It, pro- you know? it also provides veterans uh, some purpose. Like you can help them. Hey, let me find, let me help you find your new purpose. Right. And, and that's the biggest with- thing. Like we stress about when you get out, we excited. We getting out. We getting out. We excited. We about to get out. Yeah. Fuck. What am I going to do now? I don't, yeah. I'm not getting any more attaboys. I ain't got nobody telling me where to go, what to do, when to yeah. do it anymore. And it's, yeah. what, what's my purpose again? And then that's, that's when the, that's when we start freaking raising that number, that 22 a day. Yeah. Like shit, dude, another one a day. right now, as we're speaking and doing this interview, somebody's taking their life. Yeah. You know? And it's like, what was the final drop? What filled your bucket up so much that you didn't want to, you didn't want to do it no more, you know? And that's what we tell people. Hey, you know, pick up the phone, call somebody, call your brother, call your sister. Hey, how you doing today? I just wanted to see your face. Make sure you're doing good. You know what I'm saying? I just want to make sure you're doing good. Make sure you, you make sure you got your t-shirt business started. You make sure you got, you got your, how's your, how's your platform coming along? How's your, how's your podcast coming along? You know, people come yeah. to me and start talking to me and say, man, you bet you're getting big. I said, I've only been doing this since September, but I've had some great guests on my show. Like starting this off, I didn't realize how how influential my guest would be when when i brought him on the show when i first started like i said i brought travis johnson up here on here he's number 11 for top 25 veteran-owned podcast i brought richard kaufman on he's number eight on the top 25 Mm -hmm. veteran-owned podcast and i'm like man i said you guys are like my third and fourth episode dude like I, i i don't have it i didn't have any followers at the time i had maybe one or two you know and I'm still growing my community, but I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm able to team up with people like Veteran Trash Talk. Veteran Trash yeah. Talk's growing. I've got like the people like Disgruntled it's Underground. The, the guys at um, the Smoke Pit. I haven't heard of them. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a Marine and a Navy RP. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and um, they've been, they've been, they've been podcasting for about two years now. They do events at Burbiz, I think. Okay for um like a conference for veteran business owners oh wow um but i think the guy who runs it his name is dan his i haven't listened to them in a while um but they had some really good they have some really funny ones slapstick humor like military humor and then they have some really serious ones where they talk about some serious issues that veterans face and so i like i like i like that um, I used to, I haven't listened to it in a while, but when I was listening to it religiously, I liked it because sometimes it felt like you were in the smoke pit and listening to crazy stories of what happened last weekend, you know, or, right. you know, your drunk stories, whatever. And then, <laughs> and then the, you'll have an episode where they're talking about PTSD and combat and what they went through and so it's like a mi- it's a good mixture of- it's a good mixture yeah absolutely and that, i mean that's the, that's what i try to do that's why i try like i said i listen to anybody and everybody just to get different ideas how can i better my show i always ask my always ask my people how can i better my show what are you wanting to listen to yeah. you know because the whole purpose is to provide a, is to provide a purpose for you again to help yeah. you find your way again so you don't become a statistic because guess what when you take your own life guess what 
you're another check in the box for the government. There's another yeah. statistic. Let's get that number. That number's still there, 22 a day. Yeah. And I, you know what I'm saying? We don't want to, we don't, we want, we want to prove them wrong. Like we're finding a reason again. We are finding a reason to live again, to keep continue pursuing what we need to pursue. Hell, we all want to be millionaires. How can we get there to become that millionaire to where we can just sit back and relax after everything's successful and running on its own? You know, that's yeah. the goal. That's the goal is to one day not to have to work again. You know what I'm saying? That's the goal. Find happiness and not have to work again, you know? And that's the, yeah. that's the crazy, it's, 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 it's a struggle, you know? It's a struggle for, it's a struggle for our brothers and sisters trying to find that reason again, you know? Right now is the season. I think I know about 10 people getting, they're in the middle of a divorce right now. And I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. Like this sucks, dude. And so I make an effort to try to reach out to them at least once a week. How are you doing today? You doing yeah. okay? Because when when you when your spouse, like if you spent some time, one guy I've talked to, 18 years, another guy, eight years, 10 years, 12 years. I'm like, when you spend that much time with somebody and then they say they don't want to do it no more. Yeah. It, it's like, what the hell, dude? Like, yeah. What, like, and then and then say they say you have kids too. Now the kids are involved with the whole separation. It's just like the times get dark. It gets hard, and the the days will get dark real fast, you know. And it gets it sucks you know and i it's for my brother and my sister to go through something like that i don't want them to feel like they're alone because they're not they're yeah. not alone do i know what they're going through no idea but i'm here to bend a ear i'm here to bend my ear yeah. so i can so you have somebody to talk to so you don't have to go through it by yourself and if yeah. i don't know who if i don't know anything about it i bet you i know somebody who's been through it that can tell you yeah. give you some advice some pointers on how to deal with it and how to do the how to do it you know because mm -hmm. it sucks i mean it's it's tough, you know. But that's the whole purpose of the show is to hang out, shoot the shit a little bit. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How can I how can I promote you to get people see who you are and what you're providing? And how can I get them to come over to you and say, "Hey, I'm starting to do something that you're already doing. What kind of advice can you give me?" You know, it's it's just little things like that, and that that's the whole purpose of it. Man, it's the camaraderie that we lost. I know for you, I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure it's a big thing. You've lost that camaraderie. You don't have that camaraderie you had when you were in, right? You know, yeah. You you miss it. You I always you say I don't miss I don't miss the Marine Corps, but I miss the people. The people, right? And that's what I tell everybody. I say I do not miss the Marine Corps. I miss being, yeah. I miss being around those people every day, you know, even the ones that I hated. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I kind of miss that, you know? <laughs> you miss them, right? Because because yeah. my wife, I've been with my wife for 20, we're going on 21 years this April. We've been together. So she was oh, with man, me from the congratulations. 21 years. She's been with me and she's still here. We just had a huge fight before I started the show. And I was like, fuck, now I got to go into the show with you. Are you mad at me? And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know what it's yeah. like when your spouse is mad at you and you're just like, I, I have to go and do this. But I'll be yeah. back so we can finish this fight. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, my <laughs> gosh, now I got to go talk. I got to interview Miss Hannah. And we're in the middle yeah. of a fight. Now I got to freaking get that outside. And it sucks. Yeah. Dude. It sucks. It's, it's, it's a part of being in a relationship, though. I mean, yeah. if you ain't fighting, is your relationship as good as you think it is? <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? You're going to fight. You're going to fight. You know, like I said, 21 years we've been together. She's been with me through thick and thin. She's had multiple reasons to leave my ass and she's still here. And I was like, I, she asked me today. You know like, what? You're a, you guys' marriage is a unicorn. If you, you made it, it really is. People, the people military people made it through the military and veteran life. Yes. Yeah, people have already, people just asked her today, when are we going to do a YouTube channel so people can watch it? I was like, <laughs> I ain't doing that shit. They're like, we would watch you because right now. So we have seven kids right now. Oh my God. Kids coming on board probably this summer. So we'll be up to 10. And I'm like, 
what the hell are we doing? Oh God, you guys should, you guys, you guys can be like the, the Duggar stay, family. We stay hooked up. We stay <laughs> Start a reality up. show on YouTube. That's what they say. They say you should yeah. do it because I would watch and I bet you thousands of people would watch your show. I'm like, no, I can't do all that. I can't, I can't traumatize <laughs> my kids like that. You know, it, yeah. it, it's crazy, but you know what I'm saying? That's, that's the whole thing is to hang out, man, the camaraderie. That's the biggest thing. It's like I tell people, I don't miss the Marine Corps. I miss the broken yeah. people that were in the Marine Corps because my wife said it. She's like, the only people that were in the Marine Corps are the broken people, the broken people that, yeah. that, that wanted, that wanted more for themselves. Like you, yeah. you, you went and you joined it behind your parents back. You're like, I'm just yeah. going to do it. Right. Yeah. Because you had yeah. your reason. You're like, I'm broken. You know, I, I want something more. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be an attorney. I want to be my own person. I want to do my own thing. Yeah. You know, um, just real quick, I was a recruiter. And so I talked to a lot of me's, you know, there you go, right? So it was, it was kind of, uh, it, that was, it was like deja vu talking to some of these kids. I'm like, Oh, man, I was you. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, expect Yeah, because you did you did some time. I mean, you deployed, right? You deployed, yeah. to, you went to the beautiful I went to, Iraq. I went to Iraq. Yeah, the beautiful I did. I did not get to go to Afghanistan. And um, but I did Iraq. Um, twice. And I went to Iwakuni. I did a U UDP in Iwakuni. You were in and Iraq for what year? From what year to what year? I was in oh, the end of 05. Oh, you were there when I was there. Freaking Al-Assad. Yeah. And then oh, 2007, because I went on recruiting. Yeah, 2007. And 2007, I was at al Assad. Oh, yeah, they, they call it Chow Assad. Chow you yeah. did. You did because you're on the good side where you got lots to tell every night. <laughs> and I I I worked a night cruise, so we got mid I got mid rats oh, there. Mid -rats. Mid -rats. Yeah. And the Otis Spunkmeyer muffins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had some good mid rats. I remember that back in 05 when I went out there. I was like, they had oh, chicken. I've never had chicken cordon bleu in my life. Until I went to Iraq. I was like, how am I trying <laughs> chicken cordon bleu in freaking Iraq? <laughs> you were on the good. other side of the base. <laughs> I was on this side of the base with the cans and the uh, the flight line. Right oh, yeah. The flight line Wait, I lived in the cans. I did live in the cans, but because I was an aviation ordinance tech, they had a, but like, we had this bus that they drove us all the way to the other side. Oh. Uh, um, where the ASP was. The, okay. And, so we were always on away from everyone. But once we got back to our cans, we lived pretty good out there, I would say. <laughs> 05 was a lot better in 03. I live in a tent in 03. A tent yeah. and some pallets as a floor. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And then like you said, you you said you became a recruiter. You were like, I was doing yeah. recruiting duty. And then I mean I did. To see the people that you were recruiting at the time. I mean, you were you said you were a star recruiter in, in Orange. I was. I was a rookie recruiter. Of the year, I would recruit. My husband was a DI the same time I was a recruiter. So I used to recruit kids and send them down to the depot. husband. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, um, I don't know. It was a wild time in our lives. We never saw each other. I, I always say, because it was the beginning of our marriage. And I was like, I think our marriage worked because we never saw each other for the first like three years of it because of special duty assignments. And yeah, so- yeah, that's awesome. what, that was like me and my wife when I met her. Like I said, we got married. I met her. I met her, and six months later, I I went to boot camp. Then oh. then I went to MCT. 
Then I came home. She really has been with you from the beginning. From the beginning, yeah. Like I did, I went to see. I I graduated boot camp, came home for like I think it's like a a couple of days or a week or something, and then I went back to MCT. Then from MCT went to MOS school. Went to MOS school for ninety days. I did that. I came home for a week, and they shipped me out to Okinawa. Yeah, I was out in Okinawa for eight months. Came home, got married, went back to Okinawa. I finished out my tour in Okinawa. I came by, picked her up. I picked her up in like September, August, September of 02. Mm-hmm. We moved to North Carolina and I deployed out to Iraq in January. So I was like, well, I was never home. I was always yeah. gone. Like I'd come home for a, for a week, a month or whatever. And I was gone. Like, and that's the said, secret to marriage. Yeah, that is right. That's what she said. She's like, that's the only reason we stayed together. Leave each other for a little bit. (laughs) And like you said, you being a recruiter and him being DI, you guys ain't never home. You guys are always working. You guys are always getting the numbers. You know, because I would on days we'd have to take our kids to Meps. I was in Orange County and our Meps was up in LA, so that was like a good two and a half hour drive. So we had to get them up there by like five thirty six, and so I was leaving my house at three. And I hear about the traffic out there, man. Yeah. And we lived kind of, we lived in San Clemente and my husband was down at MCRD. So um, he had a motorcycle at the time and he would ride his bike. Cause in California you can white line to beat traffic. And I like, I was, it was like, we were high-fiving. Like I was like, all right, I'm going to work. (laughs) And he was coming home from duty to go to sleep. And then, so, but <laughs> now we're, we're here. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, it's interesting, man. It, I mean, you got, you have a very interesting story with everything you're going together, you know, with what you're doing and stuff like that. I mean, you've done, you've done your tour, you've done, you did your time. And now you're working with MFAN to help us to get, provide resources and provide research on to how, what mm-hmm. the veteran community is actually needing, you know, yeah. that's our biggest struggle is what do we, People don't like to, like you said, we don't like to talk about our needs. We yeah. just go and do it. If it's there, cool. If it's not, nah, we'll do it without. We'll get it eventually, you know? Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is actually just building our community with each other. That camaraderie we lost while we served. That's yeah. the, it, it's, it's a struggle. You know, it really is a struggle and it sucks because you won't, you won't ever find that camaraderie again. You know, once you get out, the camaraderie is gone. And it's just, it, it sucks because you feel, you feel like you're alone. You feel lonely, you know, and, and it, it's, it's, it's just a headache and it's a nightmare just to try to figure out life again. What, what's my purpose? What am I doing? You know? Yeah. And so, but you know, so everything's been great. Uh, you know, you're doing some amazing things with MFAN and, uh, you know, do you have anything else to finish up to tell people what, what to do, how to do it, find their purpose again? I guess my only advice if for veterans or if you're about to get out is don't get out without a plan. Like I got out without a plan. Um, I, you know, we lost half of our income. We were, we were living dual income and losing that income. It hurt. And I I mean, I think we almost filed bankruptcy at one point. Like it was because I was so focused on getting out that I didn't think about getting our finances in order. And Um, so that's just have a plan. And I know it's unrealistic, but you need to start planning to get out at least six months out, you know, and start getting your ducks in a row. If you're going to go to college or if you're going to go to a trade school 
or if you're going to get a job, you need to start putting feelers out there at least. And I say at least six months out, least, I said, yeah. ideally it'd be a year, but I know, I feel like a lot of veterans didn't know that they were going to get out a year out, you know? Right. So, but ideally I would say you need to give yourself some um, time and be prepared. And I think the biggest thing is finances, man, you got to get your finances ready either start saving up so you can have a cushion to live on for a couple months when you get out or have something that you can jump into. And, um, I just, if, and if anybody wants to, I just did a TikTok video. Um, it's at Semper Ag, S E M P E R A G, um, about how you can financially support yourself while going to college on the post nine 11 GI bill. So no, absolutely. Um, because the resource is there for you to be able to do it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You yeah. know, and absolutely, it's it's a struggle. Like you said, you, that's one thing we I talked about with Wade is that hell. While we're in, we just spend money. We get the money, we spend the money. We get the money, we spend the money. We yeah. don't put anything back for savings like we should. I you was know, guilty so of we that. Never, yeah, we were never raised. We were never raised that way because a lot of us came. We're less fortunate, and we never had the money that we're bringing in. We're like, oh wow, I'm rich. Like I'm bringing in good money, you know, which mm-hmm. we all know really isn't all that much money now. Yeah. But, but you think it is, back, you know, put some back in savings, <laughs> yeah. like you said, you know, so that's yeah. awesome, man. Hey, guys, like I said, man, I just want to thank Hannah for coming on the show today, man. You, you provided us some amazing resources. I'll have all her information on how to contact her and the great things that she's doing down there in that description box, man. Like I said, that's what we do here at the Stone Vet. We build our community. We provide resources for you guys that are out there trying to figure out what to do in life now, man. I always stress to you guys, you have to build your community around you, man. Don't forget to subscribe to the Stone Vet USMC, man. Hit that subscribe button so I can continue providing you with people like this, these amazing veterans that are doing, making a difference in our community and helping us to survive out here in the real world, man. You know, Hannah, I appreciate you taking Friday, taking the time out of your day to come hang out with me. You know, come shoot the crap. Tell me a little bit about your time and service and just, you know, that camaraderie lost when we got out, you know. You guys, you, I love you guys. Remember, man, go hang out. Go check on your brothers and sisters, man. Don't let them become another statistic, man. We need to take care of each other. Make sure we're there for each other, man. Hannah, I appreciate it. Thank you for this Friday. Thank you for hanging out. Remember, guys, here at the Stone Vet, we got your six. Relax. It's Friday. You ain't got a job. We gonna get high today. Dark of the flesh. The dick of the roots. Green of the weed. You know it's true. Puff, puff, pass, trying to get high, got high blood pressure, we coming down, good smoke, please numb me down, went to rehab, I'ma act now, I'm a party animal, caught up.